Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is a term used for in a scriptural perspective that represents our earthly nature that is not under God's divine influence. It's the part that craves, desires, and enjoys sin. The flesh is not devils or demons, but to me it's our desires uh, based around our senses, such as sight, feelings, touch, smell, and taste when they get the best of us. The prop, there's nothing wrong with, in the natural perspective, sight, feelings, touch, smell, and taste. The problem is when they try to run your life. Let me say that again. The problem with the senses is when they try to run your life, dictate you how you think, how you talk, and how you act. All that based upon the flesh. Senses are not bad. Again, senses are not bad, but when you allow your senses to control your attitude, control what you do, and so forth, there is a problem. One example I want to give you is this. You may be tempted to drink or do drugs, or, uh, do drugs while hanging with your friends. What you see, feel, hear, smell, and taste might get the best of you. You have a choice not to do it, but your flesh is craving it. You tried it, you liked it, you felt the buzz. Soon your flesh is craving for more with the demon spirit watching and observing. The demon will move upon your cravings and take you from one level to another. It becomes a habit, later an addiction. And then you don't care who you hurt or harm to to. Uh, curb or go after that particular desire. Now, before we realize it, we enter in a war zone between the Holy Spirit desire, what the Holy Spirit desires for us and what our flesh desires for us. We know that the Holy Spirit, if we allow him, will influence us, instruct us, teach us, and guide us into all truth and reveal things to come based on John 16 and verse 13. Let's go to John chapter 16 and verse 13. John 16 and 13 reads as follows. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. See, the Holy Spirit gives us a choice to be led by him as a lifestyle. Paul warned the church in Rome about the dictates of the flesh and how it can be problematic or pose a problem in our life. Let's go to Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. The book of Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. 
For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. A little, let's look a little closer at that scripture. For I know, Paul said, I understand, I'm fully, I am aware that in me, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. And before I go further, if Paul had that statement, you get it? Goes on to say here, for to will is present with me. Will, it means to be my desire or my wish is present with me. But how to perform or accomplish that, I do not find. Let's go down to Romans 7 and verse 23. But I see another law in my members, war against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Again, but I see another law in my members, warring against, opposing the law of my mind. Notice there's something opposing what I think, what I understand, and my ability to judge. And it does, when I allow it to, it brings me into captivity. It leads me captive to the sin, to the law of sin, which is in my members. He later reveals to us uh, a mindset of a person who allows the flesh to get the best of them. Go over to the same, uh, same book, Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. The Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds, or they got the same mind as the flesh. The flesh in this case is the nature of a man under, not under godly divine influence. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Basically, if you think about the flesh and dic- operate in the dictates of the flesh, you start to act like the flesh. But if you uh, uh, follow the Holy Spirit and guided by him, you start to manu- uh, operate under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And that's very important for us to understand. Paul later tells us in the, uh, when he told the Galatian church that the flesh is an enemy to the spirit of God. Go to Galatians, if you don't mind, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. The book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And they're contrary. They're, they're opposites. They oppose one another. They're adversaries. So that you do not do the things that you wish. If you operate by the spirit, you won't be operating in the flesh. But if you operate in the flesh, you don't operate in the spirit. He gives us guidance on how to protect ourselves from the dictate of the flesh. In the next verse, Galatians chapter 5. And verse 18, it reads as follows. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Notice this. If you are led, if you're guided and directed by the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
not under the law. He also mentions to operate in these areas will cause us not to inherit the kingdom of God. We keep on reading here, starting Galatians 5 and 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousness, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, hearsays, envy, murder, drunkenness, reverence, and of the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice such things would not inherit the kingdom of God. So we see that our works, our ideas, they're, they're going to be made apparent. It's going to be made apparent that if you practice these things, you are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But we're going to read here in Galatians 5, 22 through 24. For the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified. Crucified means you destroyed the power of the flesh with his passions and its desires. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, flesh got some passion and it got some desires. I, 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 that, that's just me. Maybe it don't happen to you. But for me, the flesh is, is something else to deal with. Ooh, help me, Lord. All right, here we go. Verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If we live in the spirit, if we have true life, we're actively blessed and have a powerful life in the spirit. Let us also walk or walk orderly or prosperly in the spirit. Now, given all that, let's go back to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And before we get down to verse 36, I want to say a few things that we get a little uh, background before we get to verse 36. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And his disciples are the followers, are the pupils, are the ones uh, who followed his teachings uh, and were with him in his journey on the earth. He's speaking to his disciples in Matthew 26 about many different things. He's discussing how he has discussed how the chief priests, the scribes and the elders of the people will plot to kill him using trickery. How he will be anointed with very costly oil to prepare his body for burial. He shared how one of his own Judas will betray him for 30 pieces of silver. He shared the last supper, the communion. He predicted Peter's denial. No doubt mentally the human side of Jesus may have felt overwhelmed, betrayed, exhausted, and vulnerable to outside forces. Sort of how we can feel when things seem to be coming up for us from many different angles. You ever had to deal with marriage trouble, financial trouble, showing out the will of God, job trouble, uh, business trouble, health challenges, so forth. It, it can be overwhelming if you're not careful. Our business can be challenging. Our natural business, our spiritual business, and so forth. All these things can be challenging. You may get to the point you want you're surround you want to be surrounded by people who can pour into you, support you, look out for you, be by your side. And let me just put this on the table. This may or may not happen. 
Because you think about Jesus and what he about to deal with. If it happened to Jesus. Okay. Just maybe his disciples will be there to support him, stand by him, pour to him, be on the lookout for him as well as themselves. Now we look at Matthew 26 and 36 and I want you to notice what it says in Matthew 26 and 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. So I'm thinking his disciples are sitting at a certain place. Now Jesus has left that place and he is going to pray. Now, when he goes to pray, in my estimation, the way I look at this, he is going to prepare himself for what he is about to encounter. When we pray, we may not have an idea of what we're about to deal with. But prayer prepares us for what we're about to deal with. Jesus knew what he was about to deal with. It wasn't no secret to God what he was about to encounter. He was about to deal with a cat and nine tails, whipped 40 times, nails in his hands, crucified with a, with a crown of thorns in his head. And see, I can imagine he knew what was about to happen, but he had to prepare himself for what was about to happen. Because he knew we may not know every detail that's about to happen to us, but God gives us a formula to prepare ourselves for what's about to happen. <laughs> and he says, he says, sit, sit down while I go, I go and pray over there. Gave them some simple instructions. Sit here and tarry while I go. Now, we see, what I see in this text, one thing I see in this is that Jesus is giving his followers an example of prayer. I believe he was preparing for what was about to take place. And this to me is a wonderful example for us as believers that our prayer time is a way to, to prepare for what's about, we're about to encounter. Whether we know the details or not, prayer is helping us. Oh, thank God is helping us. And then in verse 37, he says something or is Matthew records something to me that is powerful. And he took with him. Now, first of all, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. What I see in this is that Jesus began to be sorrowful. Now, this may not mean much to you, but it, it kind of put the human side. Of Jesus on display. Because what? He was sorrowful. He was heavy. Grieving. Sad. And deeply. Notice what Matthew says. Deeply distressed. Deeply troubled. Deeply uh, in anguish and depressed. Deeply. Now, before I go on to this, I thought about this. Matthew or anyone who followed him, in my opinion, would not have known that unless Jesus revealed that to them. 
Because you can't always look at people on the outside and know whether or not they're going through something inside. Unless they reveal it to you. Jesus began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. To me, he revealed that to them afterwards. He was going through, but he said, hey, I'm not going, I'm going to pray, even though I'm dealing with some, something that's causing them to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. In this case, he's about to go through the trials, he said, sorrow and pain of the cross. We will most likely not go through anything like that, but it does show us how Jesus prepared himself, prepared himself, even though he knew what was about to happen. When we find ourselves dealing with sadness, grief, trouble, depression, and so forth, we need to learn from Jesus' example. Notice how Jesus leaning on his spiritual nature in order to deal with these different emotions. Instead of depending on something far less adequate. Notice when he was dealing with this, he started leaning on his spiritual side. He did not lean to what we consider his own understanding. He started leaning and trusting in God. Listen, I got to go to God to get my strength. I got to go to God to help me deal with this situation here. I, I am, I am going, I'm dealing with some stuff for him. I see what I've got to deal with. And I need to pray. I'm not just sitting around thinking about prayer. I am actually praying. And see, sometimes we may talk about prayer, but until you start praying, you won't see the strength and the power that comes from prayer. We got to pray. We got to pray. But you know, when Jesus prayed, that also qualifies him to be our intercessor. Go to Hebrews, hold back, hold back, hold it, go to Hebrews 4 and 15. Y'all all right out there? Hebrews 4 and 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was at all points tempted as we are, Yet without sin. Well, Jesus is powerful, isn't it? He is powerful. He is powerful. Let's go back to Matthew 26 and 38. Let's read that one. Or follow me as I read it. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. But notice Jesus makes this statement. That his soul, his heart, his mind, his emotion is exceedingly sorrowful, grieved all around intensely, even to death. He says, but stay here and watch, be diligent, diligent, keep awake, and I like this definition, be attentive. Be attentive with me. Sometimes one can learn some valuable lessons when they just watch. He says, watch. Listen, I'm not asking you to pray with me. I'm just asking you to watch. Watch what I do so when you get in similar situations, you'll know what to do. See, sometimes I believe we miss the lessons that God puts right in front of us every day. 
I heard them testifying earlier. Listen, I just can't overlook something like this happening to me. This is not just a normal situation. God is setting me up for something bigger and something better. And you got to learn how to watch when God drops that revelation in your spirit because it's not just any revelation. It's something that's going to help you walk this Christian journey. And I also put this down. Sometimes we're not, we may not always quite understand what we are seeing and what lessons are to be learned. But if Jesus wants us to watch, we will definitely need the lesson somewhere in the near future. If he tells you to watch, he's not just telling you to watch, just be watching. He's telling you to watch because somewhere down the line, you're going to need that lesson. You don't need when you are dealing with being sorrowful, you need to know what to do when you end up uh, being challenged in being sorrowful. You got to say, okay, what did Jesus do? At times, when we're going through, we need people who can watch with us spiritually and naturally so that we can fight, rest, and even be refreshed depending on the intensity of the battle. I can watch by discerning, observing, being awake to dark forces trying to attack me, and, and hallelujah, I can, I can definitely do that if I stay awake. Because sometimes you can ask the wrong people to watch with you. Look how y'all looking in here right now. Sometimes you can ask the wrong people to be your prayer partner. Sometimes you can ask the wrong people. Hey, don't tell nobody what I'm about to tell you. You can tell, ask the wrong people. Hey, can I hold a few dollars? Don't tell nobody. I'm about to let hold you a few dollars. Because they'll take that few dollars. Man, y'all know so-and-so about to go bankrupt, don't you? <laughs> you didn't borrow for ten dollars, but... <laughs> $10, you about to go bankrupt. That's why it's important that we're led by the Holy Spirit and who we talk to and share information with. Matthew 26 and 39 reads as follows. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Notice he went on the Father, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup, let this experience, let this divine appointment pass from me. Let it continue on. Let it be carried away from me. But you can't get rid of a divine appointment. You can't. Listen. At every divine appointment, I will say this for later, I felt let it give it to you now, it's not going to be pleasurable. Not every divine appointment is going to be nice and pleasant. Sometimes a divine appointment is going to require you to sacrifice. Sometimes a divine appointment is going to require you to fast. Sometimes a divine appointment is going to take you out of your comfort zone so you can fulfill the will of God for your life. 
Jesus, Jesus was letting them know, hey, it ain't, it ain't all about me. Not my will, but your will be done. Your intentions, God. Your, what, what you desire to happen in this situation. You, what you want to be done in this situation. It's not about me. It's your will that must be done. Now notice this stuff, but he's dealing, what's what he's dealing with? He's dealing with sorrow, he's dealing with distress, while he's dealing with this dilemma that's going on in his mind. But thank God he did not lean to the natural side of him, he leaned to the spiritual side of him. He lined up with the will of God for his life. And I, I'm going to borrow a little part of a sermon I heard recently, but you ever had a water hose? And, and all of a sudden, it, water stopped coming out of it. And you knew the water was on. And you look back, what's stopping this up from happening? And you look back and there, there's a kink in the hole or something that stopped it from coming out. And you go back and you say, let me fix this kink. And you fix the kink and it started to flow. See, when he got lined up with the will of God, the anointing started to flow. It started to flow out. It started, deliverance started to take place. Listen, power was, listen, power started to take place. It did not stop what he had to go through, but the power was there for him to go through it. I thank God sometimes it won't stop what's about, we're about, we got to do. Sometimes we got to go through it. But God will give you power to go through it. Thank God for power to go through things. Because mm. I can't miss my divine appointment. Ooh. <laughs> but the sorrow and the stress that Jesus was about to experience. Not to mention all the emotional and physical pain Jesus was about to endure and was already experiencing. I can understand why Jesus might say, let this experience pass me by. Because remember now, he knows what's about to take place. Sometimes, I'm going to use this word because this, this wasn't Jesus' word, but sometimes we have dread over what we think going to take place. Ain't nothing happened, but we are dreading it. We have lost sleep in the middle of the night trying to dread something that ain't even happened yet. We, have, we can get in, a, in a, a moment of dread in our life, and dread can cause you to lose, listen, miss a good meal. Oh, I got one for you. you may not, this may, this may sound for me to some of y'all. Dragon put you to the point where you can eat the meal and not even taste it. So y'all probably missed that. What do you mean about you, you, you dread or trying to worry or trying to do something you got no business doing? You eat, but you're relating. You, you just going through the motion. Thinking about what I got to deal with this situation right here. I got to confront this right here. I got to do this right here. See, Jesus knew, but he had, he had made up his mind. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, oh, let me go. I'm sorry. We see that Jesus had prayed during this time, and he was strong enough to say, not my will, but your will be done. I want the Father's will to be done in this situation. But notice one where he got it from. He got it from prayer. He got it from prayer. Prayer. Not 
Matthew and the sons of Zebedee, but he got it when he prayed. Sometimes you can ask people to pray with you and they may or may not pray with you. I learned over the years, some people, you say, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. I don't know if they ever prayed for me yet. <laughs> There's some people, when they say they're going to pray, I look, well, you tell, well, I, I tell who pray for you. Sometimes I'm praying, the double because I know if I get sidetracked, I may forget to the next day. But sometimes you just got to go ahead and just pray. Thank God for it. prayer. I'm talking prayer works, y'all. You see how prayer worked for Jesus, y'all? And you think he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If prayer worked for Jesus and you are a child of the king, it will work for you as well. In fact, it will work for you just like it worked for Jesus right here. Hallelujah. There may come a time. There may come a time, y'all. Well, we are about to experience emotional upheaval, but we must follow the example of Jesus. We see that Jesus could not avoid the different ways his mind reacted to the future. But we do see he made a choice to do the will of God. We must realize sometimes that the will of God comes with a challenge mentally to fulfill the purpose which it entails. We see that one can be in the will of God and not necessarily feel like they're in the will of God. Let me say that to you. I want you to get that. You can be in the will of God, but not necessarily feel like you're in the will of God. Notice how Jesus was dealing with the different emotional challenges that he had. He was in the will of God, but yet it did not. He was like, whoo, whoo, yes, Lord. No, he was dealing with something. But his prayer life got him through it. He got him through it. See, there is no emotional guarantee that we will always feel wonderful accomplishing his will here on the earth. Let me say that again. I want you to get that in your spirit. There is no emotional guarantee that he will, you will always feel wonderful accomplishing his will here on the earth. And you see what happened to Jesus. It did not say he felt wonderful. He was dealing with an emotional challenge, but yet he was still in the will of God. Yet he was still accomplishing what God had called for him to do. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll laugh because I don't feel like doing the work. What's that got to do with it? When Jesus is telling us that he went through, we must go through also. This ain't. I know. I, I, I listen. I understand. Whoo! Shout me down, Pastor Dowd. Yeah, I understand. Because this is not something you really can shout about. Because this is emotional stuff that he was dealing with. But yet he still said, "Not my will, but your will be done." And I can imagine that some of us have dealt with emotional challenges too. Sometimes it can be emotional just dealing with your family, dealing with your Job or your business. Dealing with your children. Sometimes it can be emotional just dealing with your own self. Look how y'all looking at me. You think I'm going to say something real deep? Yeah, you. And not only are, are let me say this, don't, don't get mad when I say this neither. Not only do you have trouble dealing with you, but everybody around you got trouble dealing with you. 
But we can't talk about, well, because you're going through, we ain't going to do the will of God. Now, we all going to do the will of God. We all going to do the will of God. Everybody say, I'm going to do the will of God. That's it. Powerful lesson to all of us. At times, our intentions may not play out in the situation. And we may have good intentions, but we must be willing to say, not as I will, but as you will. Then he goes on in Matthew 26 and 40. Well, this is interesting to me right here. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Now, let me tell you, I've, I've read this many times before. But one thing that stood out to me this time is this. Why did he just call Peter and not call the sons of Zebedee? Can I, can I, can I be just human one for a moment here? Just, can I be human just for a moment? If that would have been me, probably, if I would have been not that saved, I, pray for me, y'all pray, pray. When he said, Peter, why didn't you sleep? Y'all, y'all didn't get that, did you? I ain't the only one that sleep up in him. You see the sons of them that he sleep, and why didn't you say nothing to them? That probably would have been me. Y'all, y'all didn't pray my strength on the Lord. I need Jesus every day, okay? I, I need Jesus every day. But something stood out to me when I, when I read that. And, and it doesn't mean that he didn't expect the same things out of the sons of Zebedee, but he knew there was something in Peter that was special. He knew Peter, hey, they might fall asleep, but Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? And sometimes if you're not careful, you'll think we just call on you all the time to do this, that, and the other. But there's something in you that's special. Peter, you're going to preach the, on the day of Pentecost. I can't have you going to sleep. Peter, you're going to go into a woman's house and the, and the daughter is dead and you're going to lay hands on her and she's going to rise up from the deathbed. Peter, you can't be going to sleep. You are called to prayer. You are called to an anointing. You have got something special going on in you. I can't have you going to sleep. I can't have you going to sleep. Well, Pastor, why are you always calling on me? Because there's something special in you. Why did Jesus just call Matthew? Something special was happening in Matthew. Matthew was, listen, Matthew, he had some responsibilities he had to and see, sometimes you may think we're picking on you. Well, why, why don't they call somebody else? And then sometimes some people call you. We need you, minister so-and-so. We need you, sister so-and-so. We need you, brother so-and-so. And you think, why don't they call somebody else? Can't they get somebody else to do it? There's something in you. There's something in you. And sometimes we call you and you act like the signs of everything. You just over there, what are you calling me for? Get somebody else to do it. Get somebody else to go and pray. Get somebody else coming to the church and do it. Get somebody else to come in. Why don't you get some, oh, I don't know if I can or not. Mm-hmm. Got real quiet right there. Didn't you? you know what I Boy, they got real quiet right about there, boy. We need you. You know what? You really got a gift and a talent inside of you. We could really use you in this auxiliary right here. Eh, maybe get somebody else. Sleep. 
We need you to come to the church at 930 to pray. I don't know if I can or not. Sleep. We need you to give a special offering. Well, I got I to go by sleep. Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? It just seemed like some hours are longer than others. Don't it seem like some hours are longer than others? I ain't quite got to an hour yet, but at this, this some hours seem longer than others. You know, do some hours seem longer than others? Okay, let, let me go back. He says this. He came, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, sleeping in the natural. Interesting word there. They will sleep in the natural, but figuratively, it means to yield to sin. It means to become indifferent about one's salvation. And one thing we don't want to be is indifferent to our salvation. What? Could you not watch? Could you not be diligent? Could you not be attentive? Could you not be cautious? Could you not take heed to the instructions you've been given with me for one hour? Sixty minutes. Could you not watch with me one hour? You're not even praying, Peter. I just need you to watch. I need you to be attentive. I need you to I'm not asking you to preach a sermon. I'm just asking you to watch with me one hour. But doesn't it seem like sometimes I don't know about you, but Sometimes you can get that hour can be a long hour. And sometimes I know we talk, we want to get to this. I'm going to, I need to plug this in right quick. I need to plug this in. I know we talk about the flesh is weak, but sometimes my flesh can get real strong. Look how y'all looking. This side of the room, they kind of look, they don't want to say nothing. No, no, no. Let me go on this side because y'all look kind of funny. Y'all might like it, might don't jump on me. Let me go on this side over here. I'll be home sometimes, y'all. Just sometimes. Just, 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 just sometimes. I heard you, minister. I, I, sometimes my flesh. I thought my senses, my desires, my feelings, boy, those things can be strong. I know about strong. I thought they want to pull me over to do something ain't got no business doing. And you know what the sad part about it? I want to, too. Y'all didn't read what Paul said? You know what Paul said? I got this thing going on in my flesh. And what Paul said, we didn't read that a few minutes ago. And what Paul was talking about, I got some stuff going on. And I really, truth be told, if y'all were looking, I might would go in. I know, we, I know we read the flesh this week, and I'm going to explain that in just a moment. But you got to understand something. If you ain't careful, your flesh can be real strong. Let that flesh get angry. Let that flesh want to, mm, mm, let somebody push that button. That was that right button. I tell you about that one, you just say, okay, that's okay, all right. That button that make you want to, I know you didn't. <laughs> Ooh, I'll stop fighting. <laughs> that flesh will make you say, well, I tell you what, you want to, I'm sorry, I Lord, I, I, I left that, I left that life a long time ago. 
I know the flesh is weak, but why is it when I go shopping, that thing get real strong? When I start spending money, I ain't got no business spending, it get real strong. Why is it then when I when I get to eat that real good, I talk about the, the food, I'm talking about that dessert. <laughs> Why does that flesh get so strong when I start eating? <laughs> Lord, I was, I was eating some uh, tea chips the other day, boy, and the flesh was strong. <laughs> strong. <laughs> it was strong. It was strong. Because I'm thinking in my mind, I need to put these up. <laughs> I need to put them up. You know what I did? I got 10 more. <laughs> Stuck them in my mouth. <laughs> then I put them up. <laughs> then I looked at them. And we got, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, we got, we got this thing going in our house. It's a cookie jar. Whew, that cookie jar. I, she asked me, where, where all the cookies go? Come on, it's strong, boy. It kept pulling me over to the cookie jar. <laughs> I said, I've been, I can get one or two. And I don't get one or two. Five minutes later, I get one or two more. <laughs> Three minutes later, I get one or two more. <laughs> Four minutes later, I get five more. I get tired of making all these trips over here to the cookie jar. <laughs> and next thing you know, all the cookie gone. <laughs> so, when you talk about the flesh is weak, I, I, well, I pray it is. <laughs> But I know what he's talking about. We're going to talk about that this moment. Let's finish this up. So he's, he wants to watch. He wants to watch. He found the sleeping, but he asked, he asked the question to Peter. He asked the question to Peter. Why are you sleeping, Peter? Could you not watch me one hour? Peter, there's a time to sleep naturally, and there's a time to accomplish the will of God. And we must know the difference. I believe it's more than whether or not Peter was tired, but to make sure Peter understood he could not get relaxed around sin because he could yield to it. I also think the Lord did not want Peter to become indifferent to his salvation. People who become indifferent to their salvation usually have a hard time carrying out the will of God when life becomes difficult. Let me read that to you again. People who become indifferent to their salvation usually have a hard time carrying out the will of God when life becomes difficult. Many times as believers, disciples of Christ, our flesh will cause us to be asleep to the things of God when we should be watching. Our flesh can be the main cause of us becoming indifferent, unconcerned, showing little or no genuine interest to our salvation Hearing and applying God's written and revealed word. We can come to church, sing, pray, praise God, give, and yet still become sleepy or indifferent to a pure and sacred relationship with Jesus and his word. Let me read that to you again because this is good. When we, we can come to church, we can sing, we can pray, we can give, and yet still become sleepy or indifferent to a pure and sacred relationship with Jesus and his word. We can do the church thing, but we also can do our thing on the side. Doing the church thing, but doing your thing on the side. Well, you got to be careful about that. Jesus knew that his lifestyle of sleeping while we should be, we should be praying, will cause problems if we did not follow his guidance. Desires of the flesh can cause us to miss our kingdom and inheritance and the better that God has appointed for us. 
Jesus helps his disciples as well as us by facing this powerful reality. He said in Matthew 26 and 41, watch and pray. Notice everything Jesus dealt with. He says, watch and pray. Watch, be awake, be attentive, be cautious lest you be overtaken, and pray. Offer earnest prayers that two-way communication with God, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus was commissioned to fulfill the will of God, but at the moment where he would face, in my opinion, his toughest challenge while here on the earth, which is the cross, he was faced with sorrow, grief, distress, and asked that this divine appointment to pass him by. I think what holds true for Jesus holds true for us as well. As we continue this Christian journey, there will be days where we are challenged emotionally and physically. There will be days where you'll be challenged emotionally and physically in this Christian journey. But you still must say, not my will, but your will be done. I mean, I'm be real with you. I pray that you don't be challenged emotionally. I pray that you don't be challenged physically. But if you do, you still got to say, not my will, but your will be done. If Jesus was challenged that way, we need to say, hey, not my will, but your will be done. Notice the reason for these instructions in verse Matthew 26 and 41. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Notice this. He did not want us to allow or go into temptation. Temptation in this area is sin or rebellion against God or trouble. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Notice the spirit is indeed, it's ready is willing, but the flesh is weak. Weak means without strength, feeble, and powerless. Now, when it talks about the flesh being weak, it's weak to accomplish the will of God in our life. It's hard to accomplish the will of God depending on your flesh. Depending on the way your senses, depending on your taste, your feelings, and so forth, it is hard to accomplish the will of God. Now, you can get emotional, and you can go ahead and do it, but when life gets challenging, you you need to say, hey, not my will. Will, my, listen, I made up in my mind, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to do what God called me to do. I like what my grandma used to say, it takes a well-made up mind to serve the Lord. You've got to have a well-made up mind to serve the Lord. You've got to have a well-made up mind to serve the Lord. And you can't do it in your flesh. Because your flesh is without strength, feeble, and powerless when it comes to accomplishing the will of God. Because it can't be strong doing the opposite. Now, one interesting fact, in my opinion, is that on the surface, the choices that Jesus had to make in that reality seemed like they were that big of a deal. But in reality, they were life changing. It, it affected mankind. So you can't take your choices for granted. You can't think because you try to do something in the flesh. Oh, won't nobody, it won't, it won't matter. But look if Jesus would have said that. 
Look if Jesus would have said that. It would have affected all of us in this sanctuary. Thank God he didn't do it, did he? The flesh is weak executing spiritual obedience. Let me read that to you again. The flesh is weak executing spiritual obedience. When we truly accept Jesus, Lord and Savior, and yield to his will, we can overcome the dictates of the flesh. We need to realize that yielding to the spirit can, can have dire consequences to our spiritual life and those who are affected by our decisions. Like Jesus would have and would have done if he would have chose differently how it would affect mankind. If we're going to keep our spiritual life in place, we're not, uh, we're not, if we're going to keep our spiritual life in a place where we need to be at, not be asleep, not be nonchalant, nonchalant when it comes to our salvation, we need to watch and pray. If we're going to overcome emotional challenges like Jesus did, we're going to need to watch and pray. If we're going to fulfill the will of God in our lives, we're going to have to watch and pray. If we're going to keep and flourish in our salvation walk, we need to watch and pray. You see what Jesus is telling us here? If you're going to be successful in your Christian journey, you're going to need to watch and pray. Not just one, but both of them. You need to do both of them. You got to be attentive. You got to watch out. You got to, listen, not just pray, but you got to watch and pray. Watching will help you to know what to pray for, really. Watch and pray. And if you're going to really flourish in your salvation, you got to watch and pray. Watch and pray. Let's talk about salvation in that closing. Salvation is this. It's one of the greatest gifts that God has gave to mankind. Salvation is deliverance, protection, and prosperity. It's not to be taken lightly once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Three major benefits of trusting Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Deliverance. Deliverance is the act of being rescued or set free. John chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32. Then Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God will, listen, give you truth that will free you up to obey God. Freedom is not just to do what you want to do. You're free to obey God. You're free to obey God. That's that's the purpose of freedom. Freedom is not, I'm going to do what I want to do. Please. That ain't reality. That is not reality. You're free to obey God. I'm free. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Those folks are the most bound people you ever saw. Get out of that. Two, protection. The acts are means of defending or guarding. The acts are means of defending or guarding. Jude 24. Jude 24 reads as follows. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So God, once you're saved, he can protect you. How does he protect you? By keeping you. God is a keeper. God can keep you through all the trials and tribulations you go through. 
And let me just say this to you. If you don't have watching and praying down perfect, perfectly, God can still keep you while you're learning. God can keep you while you're repenting of things you've done wrong. God is a keeper. I love the fact God keeps me. I'll be honest with you. That's because I know I don't do everything right, but God keeps me. I've learned to repent. Lord, I'm, I messed that up again. Please forgive me, God. God keeps me. Can you imagine if, if you was, I mean, every time you messed up, God said, get away from me. That's all he'll be doing. Every time I got to him, boom, go. There you go. Every time I got to him, boom, dad, get off. I mean, I mean, that's all he would do. But God is a keeper. Thank God he keeps. How many believe God keeping you right now? That's right. He keeping you right now. And third is prosperity. That means to increase or to be made better. To increase or to be made better. Third John chapter two, verse two. Beloved, I beloved, excuse me. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. If, so we got deliverance, we got protection, and we got prosperity. Deliverance, protection, and prosperity. Prosperity means he's just gonna, he's gonna make your life better. He's going to make your life better. Thank God he's making our life better. We're thinking better, we're talking better, and we're acting better. That's prosperity. Because I don't care how much money you got, you can still think and talk and act. But boy, it's good when you got God's better in your life. Better is here. Better is here, better is coming. Bigger is here, bigger is coming. If we're going to keep our spiritual life in a place where we're not sleep or nonchalant, nonchalant when it comes to salvation, we need to watch and pray as we live out, live by the spirit and not by the flesh. Why? Because the flesh is weak to execute the plans of God. To execute the plans of God. If we want to fulfill the will of God in our lives, we'll make a daily commitment to watch and pray. Make a daily commitment to watch and pray. Stand to your feet. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.